Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to find my voice with this podcast. I don't 100% know where it's headed or what the vibe is going to be as I continue doing it. And I know it's changing little by little every time I do it. Uh, and that's a result of me just kind of not only getting the hang of it, getting the into the into the schedule of doing it twice a week, uh, but also like kind of just the small things that I'm starting to sort of figure out in regards to what it means to me to do it every time I do it. And, uh, you know, uh, if, if you've been listening to all of the podcast episodes that came before, I'm very much a person who creates for the self. And then I put it out there for everybody else to find meaning uh, out of. And so that that's like that with my films. That's like that with my writings. Everything I do, I'm doing it because I have to do it. I have a burn to do that specific thing that I'm creating. And then I put it out there and I say, okay, guys, here it is. Now find meaning in it for yourself. And of course, most of the time, most people don't find meaning in it because that's what most people aren't trained to find meaning in these things. A lot of people don't know how to look at art and find meaning for themselves. They always want to be told what it means. And so... For the podcast, I'm still trying to figure out what it means to me. And uh, one of the things that I'm kind of taking a liking to is I've made tea time out of this. <laughs> so every time, every time I record a podcast, I have a cup of tea. I don't know. It's just a small little detail, a small little thing I didn't really anticipating. And, and it came out of necessity, right? It came out of necessity because I, I kept losing my voice and I needed something to sip on, preferably something hot like tea. Uh, and so I made tea time out of it. And uh, that's just a small little thing that I, I've come to look forward to every time I do these. But uh, much like finding my, my voice in this podcast form, uh, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of trial and error and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, I, I, but I, I tend to learn quickly and I tend to learn through trial and error. So just bear with me. We'll figure this out soon enough. You know, with my creative writing, which I've been doing since I can remember, I, uh, I definitely went through some uh, trial and error. And, and today, today's one of the fun podcasts because I'm going to be reading through some of my old poetry. And if you stick around to the latter half of this podcast, I'm even going to play two song recordings for you. One is a song that I wrote that was recorded by another musician who's actually pretty good. Uh, one of my favorite musicians from my local area back in Maine. Uh, when I, when I used to live there, there was this one musician who did all my movie scores and he even recorded a couple of songs and one of them he sang, but then there's another song. And in that song I sang and it is terrible. It's terrible people, but I love the lyrics. The lyrics make me chuckle now. Back then I was this bleeding heart, sort of depressive. Uh, and, uh, it's so apparent I was still young Young at heart, young at young in the mind, and uh, when you hear when you hear this this song, oh my God, it's going to be the last one that I play. Um, <laughs> but before then, I think I'm going to read some of my old poetry because I think some of my old poetry will really give you an idea of where I come from in terms of some of my writing, and where I've been, where I'm going. Uh, 
and how I, when I, when, at what point did I, do I feel like I arrived? So I'll read some of my old poetry and then what I'll do is I'll read, I'll contrast it with some newer poetry and then I'll end it with um, those two song recordings, which have never really been heard. I haven't put them out there. One was recorded for a movie and I didn't use it in the movie because <laughs> so I was so unsure about it. Um, the other one, well, you'll understand why the other one never got released because it's not releasable. I am not a singer. I am not a vocalist, even though I'm, I, I believe that everybody could sing. Anybody with a voice can sing, right? But I never learned. I never learned how to use it to its full potential. So, you know, some years back, we're talking over 20 years ago. I wrote this short, short poem. It's really short. It's called Living Here. Living here for all the dreams I had last night and every night before that. If I fail or give up, I would have proved everyone back home to be more than quite right. My life will then reach its pinnacle. Now, I don't remember if I wrote that when I first came to New York or if I was in Vancouver, but I know I wasn't living in Maine. So it's very possible that I wrote it when I first arrived, because when I f the first month I arrived to New York in September of 03, I, uh, I wrote a lot of poetry and most of it's not very good, but I needed a way to vent um, kind of just how tough life was at a tough time adjusting to the city. This one is called One Last Hoorah Before Normalcy. The adjustments are taking place. Worrying has turned, has turned out to be the biggest waste of everyone's time, including mine. I should have seen it coming, the struggle to find housing, before I even moved to this hollowed-out island. The foreshadows surface like Pier 1 pylons. It makes no difference how mean these streets are. They will see you coming no matter what. They will see you coming a hundred miles away. But I mustn't let it hurt me. I just have to let it be. I must continue to make everyone see the real me. And, if, and what it's like to be me. A man with such important ideas knowing the world could go on even if I wasn't here. So basically what I was, was, was writing about is when I first arrived here, I came here with a big vision for what I was going to do. And I came into a world uh, run by people who had other ideas and the actual power to see those visions through. And me kind of realizing how hard it was going to be to get anyone out there to listen to me, to give me a shot. And uh, I wrote a lot about New York City when I came here. Before I came to New York City, I visited. I visited twice. I visited once in 02. It was my first visit. It was in November of 2002. And then over the winter and spring, I started planning my move, saving up every, every dime I could. And then I came again in 03, uh, in May of 03, to uh, sort of meet potential apartment roommates and try to find housing. But that didn't work out. 
all those meetings fell through. And then eventually I found, I found a, a room through Craigslist in Queens and I booked everything remotely. I didn't bother coming back to the city until I actually moved in on Labor Day weekend of 03. But prior to my May 2003 trip, I wrote a lot about my first trip to New York City, and I wrote a lot about what my life might be like in New York City. New York City sort of became the place that uh, I sort of daydreamed about escaping to, you know, with the girls, the girls of my dreams. Yeah, and uh, some of those poems ended up getting published in collections. Also, some of those poems got uh, published in our local sort of monthlies and quarterlies and news news outlets. One of those no, those poems was for just one night from twenty year old Eric Norcross, sifting through all these dreams that composed tonight, trying to keep serenity. All logic is out of sight. There's an important career on one side, and the woman I love tried her best to hide. But she's not my future, and I see this now. Why didn't she want me? Why did I love her? Like some island fool, I loved her with all my might. Like some island fool, I'm going to try and fight. Let's run away together. We'll go to New York City for just one night. I become sweaty in my cooped up den. The air is humid and you're on my mind. So I grab my coat and I lock out all sound. I walk fast as the worry grows that I just might die in this small town. Why didn't she want me? Why did I love her? Like some island fool, I loved her with all my might. Like some island fool, I'm going to try and fight. Let's run away together. We'll go to New York City for just one night. And that one is, of course, uh, me daydreaming about escaping early with somebody, not alone, like I ended up coming here alone, with somebody I would have never been able to come here with. And uh, But there's a lot that's true about who I was back then. I really was thinking about choosing a career or staying at home or find, finding uh, somebody in my hometown to settle down with who would be willing and I knew that if I did that I'd have to let everything go and I described my environment my, my sweaty cooped up den the humid air and I used to leave in the middle of the night to go for walks I used to put my headphones on and I used to just drown out all all of the real world and I used to just listen to music Mostly movie scores, trailers. I used to listen to trailers. Um, and if I was in the mood, I would listen to actual songs. <laughs> Sometimes I'd listen to spoken word uh, poetry, live poetry readings. I really loved listening to Bob Dylan read. Um, for those of you who haven't heard Bob Dylan read, I mean, talking about inspiring. Uh, a lot of my writing back then was inspired by his poetry readings, his live poetry readings. Um, but man, I got like a whole binder here of poems I wrote about New York, about people that I've, I wanted to be part of my life, but we were just on different tracks. 
had a vision for the world and I had a vision for the people around me and nothing coincided with reality, like literally nothing. And uh, I was a hopeless romantic. You know? Listen to this one. I wrote it about a colleague many, 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 many years back. I'm going to cut out her name, obviously. When you're feeling lonely, like life is coming to its end, when you feel worn out and beaten by the rivals and bitten the business of other men, if you think there's no way out other than an escape for good, you may feel ashamed and wish that the world just understood. If you're feeling down and there's no one around, so all you do is take a walk around the town, and your conscience is lost, your mind just won't stop, or the girl that's on your mind has your heart tied up in knots. Simply think of a woman whose story is true, a girl with more courage than anyone I ever knew. Her life was as perfect as the warm summer day until the, that one dark day when her dreams were taken away. You need not know the details of what exactly had gone down, but her life will be great again as time spins round and round. You need to not know her face. You need not know her face, but believe me when I say she's as beautiful as a human can be, in every single way. That's awesome, actually. <laughs> that stands up. <laughs> that stands the test of time for me, brother. You know what I'm saying? I wrote a lot, a lot of poems when I was going to film school in Vancouver, because. Uh, the, the film school I went to in Vancouver wouldn't actually let me make the films I wanted to make. Um, and so I just kind of resorted to writing while kind of mulling my way through the coursework because, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler about finishing what I start no matter what, any which way I can. Uh, you know, in high school, I used to publish short stories and poetry in our high school our high school literary journal called The Racket. And uh, one of the poems I wrote was called A Window. This was in the late 90s, probably 98. I could see on both sides of me. I hear every word that is spoken. I hear every sound in a vast radius. Most would say you see through me. What you see is a reflection, what's on the other side of me. When you get angry, I'm shattered. When it gets hot, I become liquid. Sometimes I am tempted to block light. Sometimes I'm stronger than normal. I fog when it gets cold. I warp when I get old. I am a window. Oh, that's not bad, man. I had it back then, too. I mean, it could definitely use some cleanup. Uh... There's some stuff that's too revealing about who I wrote it about, so I had to skip over those. <laughs> Somewhere I just fucking name people. I have one name. The, the title is the birthday of somebody. Uh, I have these epic poems too. I have these epic battle poems. Listen to this. I'm not gonna tell you the title. And I'm gonna skip over the name. But it's the fall of the... And then I inserted a family surname. I've watched the mighty family stand tall. I've seen their name brought to a fall. It didn't happen overnight, but I must protest it was a sight. At first, it was meant to be a trick. Our forces left by air from Brunswick. We flew over Portland so everyone could see and then went on to strike South Hadley. 
They were enjoying themselves listening to a cover band, so as a prank we cut all the power across New England. I've watched the mighty family fumble the ball, seeing their leader brought to a fall. It didn't happen overnight, but what they did, it wasn't right. We brought their cottage down on Casco Bay. Ruins is all that remains, some people say. Million watched us on TV, shocked by all the footage shot by NBC. The critics argued, thinking it was a game, but one of our choppers really did crash in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. We moved in below radar cover and put our choppers into hover, dropped our troops into Southington, and then began our search for the blank. We cut across every acre of their lawn and invaded their house just before dawn. We raised our voices, a scream, and a shout. We forgot just then what we were fighting about, but the battle continued and our mission grew thin. We knew that no matter how it ended, it would soon end. I've watched the mighty family fumble the ball, seen their name brought to a fall, lost the meaning of it all. The objective now is to be the one standing tall. Well, our story ends just about here, and I'm sorry to say it ends in tears with our soldiers all completely gone. We at last got to see the fall of the blank. We were sent down to Washington to explain to the Supreme Court why we hated their name and why we invaded their fort. But I couldn't get the right words out because I really didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so they sentenced us to a painless death and then laid our pathetic case to rest. That's me about going to war with somebody, with a family that I despised. Um, uh, yeah. Lots of good stuff here. Should, uh, no, I think we should um, save some of these for another future podcast. I think I should go into my archive of more recent work so that you can compare and contrast what I'm doing. Okay. So this one I wrote some years back, but it's more recent. It's called Helen. And it was published... When I ended up going back to school and enrolling in a BA program, I ended up putting some of these poems out through the student portal. And then that evolved into me putting poems out in the literary journals and other places. And so you can find some of these online, actually, if you look hard enough. Helen. At Amsterdam House, there is an old woman, a resident of the ward. Helen is her name. She rolls down the corridor in a wheelchair among the fastest residents in the place. She sees one of the staffers, perhaps a nurse or a CNA, and says, Are you here to kill me? The staffer stops, leans down, and looks her straight in her, her one eye. No, the staffer says. Where are you going? Please, Helen pleads, please kill me. Why? Because I need to get out of here. Where do you want to go? Anywhere. Helen is serious and depressed. The staffer wheels her back to her room. And Helen is once again forgot. That was written about a tenant of a nursing home called Amsterdam House in uh, Morningside Heights, Manhattan. Which I used to visit periodically because somebody I knew was hold up there and ended up dying there and I remember Helen always asking for somebody to kill her 
she knew where she was and she didn't want to be there and she didn't care if she had no chance of surviving outside of there on her own she'd rather be dead than be there this one is called The Conversation dated in 2015 I wrote this September, actually I wrote it September 11th 2015 so in one of, one of the anniversaries of 9-11 the worst thing that could happen is you won't be accepted quips the effeminate man as he advocates for submissions rejection is good it builds character he implies he and his buddies go on and on groveling over awards and winners and they hold others up on a pedestal of diamonds and announce this is success if you don't get this far, you are a failure. These idiots don't understand the damage they're doing. They're teaching the wrong ideals, sending the wrong message. It's a setup for failure, a solution to avoid such calamity. Why was this created? What is it for? Is the existence of this work relevant? Does it need to be relevant to exist? Where does it fall? Where does it fall within the ongoing conversation? As long as you understand this about your work, none of that other stuff matters. And that was called the conversation. I'm not sure what, what projects I actually have in this binder. I'm discovering them as I peruse it. This is called Hypocrisies and Other Shit Stuff, and I have no idea what I'm in for because I haven't pre-read any of this. Usually I'll, I'll knock these off and then forget about them. <laughs> and uh, I'm revisiting it with you today without remembering everything. Industries come and go as technology develops and cultural needs undulate. The experts undo their own careers crash their own markets. Kodak ushered in the demise with the, their own demise with the digital sensor. Whale oilmen from New Bedford figured out how to refine Pennsylvania fossil oil into kerosene. Our push for, for expansion and growth and efficiency negates our core humanity and omits our beauty and horror. And we are no longer tangible, touchable, transparent, nor transient, but are in all totality ugly and opaque statuettes too high to grasp and we look down on our histories as out-of-date fashion styles we perpetually regret and our basic horrors seem nothing compared to our ability to rationalize and forget such injustice thus we don't allow others to photograph us but are quick to invest in expensive gear so we can produce our own selfies dissipation is inevitable because it requires energy resources, and a thoughtful, conscious effort to keep all the developments at bay. Conceit, clear the air of the fuels of industry's past. We destroy ourselves and only protect society as so long as it's financially beneficial to the whole operation. Our perpetual winter of blistering lack of understanding and forgiveness. There's no sense in passing gun laws. To pass along a weapon is a whitewashed hyperbole of, and empowers the wrong people. I don't know if I agree with that anymore. 
to be honest with you guys. I'm actually really, really against guns. But, you know, when I write, I, I just spitball, whatever. Stop dumping our social nightmares on the law. We're only asking for trouble. I agree with that. I think the law is overwhelmed by issues that could be better delegated to other other parts of uh, the problem-solving society. We fashion every part of our world to look identical with strip malls and glass-faced condominiums and highways, byways, expressways, causeways, all under perpetual construction. So now no one cares to see the world up close or to travel. And so we video conference, phone call on weekends or Facebook We'll like the achievements only if we like them enough. We'll like their achievements as long as we're not too jealous. That's why I quit Facebook. Too many people ghosting my achievements. Things that I was really proud of and I really wanted people to acknowledge and nothing. Crickets. Not that I need people to do that stuff, but after a while, you just take the hint that, what do I have a thousand friends for if they're not going to be proactive? Because I actively, I used to actively acknowledge everybody's accomplishment. And I didn't, I didn't like not getting it in return. Ten years of not getting it in return was just too much. I'm not going to finish this one, though. But it, it goes on for several pages. It's like... Uh, you know, we got English, Spanish, and French, and a few others to boot. Quarty, Azerty, and, you know, I just like, I'm breaking down the world, man. I'm breaking down the world. I mentioned uh, this piece of violin music that Marion Pidverni, this musician who plays in the subways that I sometimes encounter at St. George Terminal, Conte Partiro. He plays that on the violin all around New York City. And I, I, I paint the picture, man. I paint the picture, but, yeah, and if you guys want to hear some of the poetry that I actually really, truly love, I have some of it on my YouTube channel, a lot of you probably don't realize, I used to do live readings during my MFA studies, uh, and I recorded all those readings and I put them on my YouTube channel, so you can check those out. Um, I'm not writing poetry as much these days because I've been working on my screenwriting. Uh, one of the reasons that this podcast is so late this week. Um, usually I, I try to aim for Wednesday or Thursday to re release it, and it's Saturday because I've been writing screenplays, and that's been a priority. Yeah, so... I have a lot to get through, too, because I'm now in this zone where I'm submitting screenplays to competitions and to residencies and workshops and really just trying to get out there as a screenwriter, which I never used to do before. I used to just write them for myself so I could produce them down the road, but I have so many now that I can't possibly produce them all at the moment. And I'm just like, well, what can I do to stay productive during quarantine? Ah, I think I'll just polish these up and send them out and see what happens. My first time genuinely actually 
taking that initiative to do it. You use screenwriting competitions were never on my radar. Residencies were never on my radar, and I'm actively pursuing them. And I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, hopefully well. <laughs> hopefully well. Um, and I have a lot, a lot of screenplays that I'm polishing, and it's basically become my full-time thing in addition to just kind of looking for, looking for clients and trying to get back into client work is um, screenwriting. So uh, here's the first song. Are you ready for it? It's called 16 Stories High. I wrote the lyrics and I wrote the chord progression, and then I gave it to my friend Jeff Cusack. Jeff Cusack is a musician that lives on the islands off the coast of Maine. And he, uh, he was always a friend that, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I always went to when I had questions cause I was learning guitar and I was kind of teaching myself guitar with a few lessons here and there from various people in my circle. And he was one of them. And I said, Hey, do you know the, the chords to the song? Or are you able to transcribe this by ear? And eventually, uh, he started doing scores for some of my student films and some of my first indie films. And I said, well, I got this song that I wrote. It's got lyrics and it's got a chord progression. Could you make an arrangement and record it? And then I'll put it in the movie. And he did. Only I didn't put it in the movie. <laughs> because uh, I was very insecure about the fact that I had written it. I regret not putting it in the movie. It's the perfect theme song for, the, for this movie. Because the movie was called 16 Stories. You can read about it on my website. And the song is called 16 Stories High. And uh, here it is. Thank you. 
How was that for you? <laughs> it's weird hearing that again, isn't it? Oh, man. It's not bad, honestly. It could be cleaned up a little bit, especially lyrically. Um, but now now you're in for the, the solid gold record of bad records. This one was written about somebody who shall remain nameless because they've got their own life now and uh, are married. But back then, we were all just kids and we were all going our separate ways and I was really just... I was starting to see how the world drives people away from one another. How sort of the circumstances of life are not ideal to the dreams one has for their life. And I've learned how to refine that sort of idea. But this is an early version of sort of the, the, the kind of types of stories I'm playing with now. And um, I don't know if you saw my film Lipstick Lies, but Lipstick Lies is very much about that philosophically. Two people being driven away from one another by circumstances beyond their control. But we all encounter it, don't we? You know, there's that famous saying, the one who got away. Well, they always get away because of circumstance. Circumstances that you rarely have control over in this song, as lame as it comes off, has heart, and it's about that. Here it is. I think about the people that get to be her friends. Then I cannot help but to break down and cry. Then I'm forced to walk alone and think about her lies. Why can't you write words that Explain this 
Thanks everybody. Uh, let's uh, let's catch up next week, and uh, we'll keep talking about the art life, the writing life, the city life. If you want to support this podcast, you can do through so through do so through Anchor. You can also do through do so through my Patreon. Links are in the description. Uh, also, with uh, Patreon, if you contribute to Patreon, you'll also be contributing to my output of work. So you'll be contributing to my films. Uh, and my mixed media art, but mostly my films, because that's the main thing that I do right now. But I'm also uh, doing two graphic novels, and I could really use resources to finish those. So uh, check out my Patreon, look at all the nine tiers of support that I have there, and see if any of those work for you. Uh, If you're not able to, I get it. We're in a recession, thanks to COVID-19. So... Here's what, here's what you should do. You should reach out to me and you should ask me to tackle certain topics. Ask me some questions. Ask me about, about anything. And I'll see, I'll see what I can do about bringing your concerns and, and your ideas into these episodes. That way I can better serve you. Thanks, everybody.